Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining into the Polo Show. I'm joined today by a grandpa, Jesse Naylor from Last Second Sports. We're going to be talking about 49ers and Bucks this Sunday and also talk about BCB, Brock Purdy, and what he should be able to do or what we expect for the rest of the season. But let's get right into it. Once again, thanks for everybody tuning in to the Polo Show. Um, I've got Jesse Naylor from Last Second Sports here. We're going to talk Niners and Brock Purdy and other things. Um, and thank you for joining today instead of watching these poverty franchises playing right now in our Airbnb down south. But Jesse, how's it going, man? It's going fantastic, Chris. I got to say, cartoon Chris looks a lot sharper and his hair is a lot better than real life Chris. Dude, hey, I, I agree with you, bro. Hey, in all honesty, I was supposed to get a haircut today, but... Uh, my barber couldn't do it, so I'm going to have to wait a week. But Tanya's already in here complaining about Farhan. Uh, I agree that this man has to go. He's kind of a, an, an abomination. But um, <clears throat> we're going to get into Niners and Bucks. We're also going to talk about, obviously, all the stuff regarding the quarterback situation in San Francisco. I feel like we've been talking about that for like a year at this point, and it's just never going to stop. But the first thing we want to get into today and Jesse, I know you evaluate quarterbacks a lot. So when it comes to Brock Purdy, I know you liked him for a while now. It's been years you've liked Brock Purdy. Um, and I live in Arizona. He was actually, uh, he went to high school out here. He was from Arizona. He went to Perry High School. What do you like about Brock Purdy? What's there that's not to like based on your own analysis? Yeah, well, the things that I like are, I think he has really clean footwork. I think he has a very, very quick release. A lot like Jimmy, right? Like, that's one of the things that everybody talks about with Jimmy Garoppolo. I think Brock Purdy has a quick release as well. I think he's a pretty decisive decision maker. And he's mobile. Like, those are all things that you like about Brock Purdy. And the things that you don't like, not ideal size. He, you know, some quarterbacks are smaller. Tua actually shockingly was smaller than him when they met at the middle of the field. That was kind of crazy to see. But you would prefer a little bit more size, I, I think. Six foot, six one. It's a little bit harder to see in the pocket, especially when you get somebody like Eric Armstead standing in front of you. So I would say not not the ideal size. Arm strength, I would say, is a negative. You know, there's some guys that have a, a plus arm strength. There's some guys that have a just an average arm strength. And I actually think his is probably a negative arm strength. And then I would say the last thing that I think he needs to improve on the other two he can't change he's never going to be able to change those things but the one thing he can improve on and he did a good job of this on sunday is decision making he has that gunslinger mentality in him 
those what the F moments, those will show up at some point. And those are the things that throughout his career he can clean up. And as he does that, obviously he'll be much better for it. But, you know, those are the things that I would look out for as teams start to scout him a little bit, understand who he is, what he brings to the table. Those weaknesses are what I would look at, but those strengths, I mean, those strengths can carry you through and and help this team win for sure. Yeah. I think that uh, when it comes to Brock, I've always heard about how his arm strength was the biggest problem. I heard he was throwing picks in camp. It wasn't even because of accuracy. It was literally just he didn't have enough velocity on the football, so defenders were able to cut off his throws. So that kind of worries me. You know, when we watched that Dolphins game, you know, I thought Jimmy was going to end up having a good game, actually. Um, That defense was ranked 22nd going into that game against the pass, and, you know, Brock was going up against a pretty weak passing defense with that defense not having a week to prepare for that. And I know that Brock Purdy's a third-string quarterback, so it might sound kind of silly, but at the same time, they created a whole game plan with Jimmy Garoppolo being the quarterback for the Niners. I don't think that they were really prepared for Brock Purdy being able to scramble and extend plays because that's just stuff Jimmy's not going to do. So there are some things that Brock Purdy can do that Jimmy can't that I think is a plus, like extending those plays and uh, being a little more mobile. Um, My thing is I hear people trying to say like he has a stronger arm than Jimmy, and that is not true. There's no way that that's true. You can see it. It's not very hard to see. Um, and I think that when you start to play really good defenses and that ball's floating around the air a little longer than usual, uh, it's going to be really dangerous. And he also hasn't had a lot of reps, obviously, with the starters. I mean, that that's probably was actually pretty impressive is that he was able to go out and do what he did because he's been taking the backup reps, um, the third string reps all season long and all training camp. So hopefully as the chemistry keeps coming along, it just keeps improving. But um, yeah, for Brock, I think that it's going to be really similar to Jimmy and what Shannon was trying to do with Nick Mullins back then. I think he is better than Nick Mullins. Um, The thing is when we look at the record with Nick Mullins and and I had the same reaction, probably a lot of people had when Jimmy went down, I thought, okay, the season's done. Um, But Nick Mullins in all fairness in that 2020 season, I'm not saying we would have won a Super Bowl. He didn't have a roster around him that was a stack is what Brock Purdy's going to get to play with. You know, the whole team was injured. It wasn't just Jimmy. That's why when people point to his win-loss record, it's just stupid because that year everyone was out on injured reserve. So Brock Purdy having a chance to go out here with McCaffrey, which made a huge difference for Jimmy also, and then Kittle and Debo and Ayuk and the defense playing at an all-time level right now. I do still like their chances of winning the division. I, I do think they'll win the NFC West. Uh, we'll get into a little bit about, you know, the f- future games coming up. Um, Rohan wanted to check in and ask how uh, bingo night was for you at the retirement center. So Jesse, I'll let you kind of go in here and tell him. Uh, Rohan bingo night is Friday night. Nice try, bud. Shit. Rohan get it together, bro. He's probably got so much homework at Wisconsin. Uh, he's been trying to get me to cover his shows, but I told him I don't want to be his double anymore. <laughs> he doesn't pay me enough. Um, but we're going to keep talking about Brock Purdy and obviously the quarterback situation. But another thing that I want to talk about, because this has been kind of going on all week long with the Purdy news and um, talking about Lance and Jimmy and obviously the injuries. And I'll Marco and Rohan were just on their show talking about who would have the best chance to come back, Trey Lance or, or Jimmy G. And I agree with Marco. I do think that Trey Lance would probably have a better chance to come back than Jimmy G at this point. But the way that people are talking about Purdy coming in saying that he's going to be fine and uh, they're confident in him. But then all of a sudden when Trey Lance was stepping into the role, people thought he wasn't ready and saying that, you know, this they need Jimmy there 
in a better position with Jimmy because of his experience and all this stuff, all this nonsense. What is it with moving the goalposts? Why do people do this? And, and the stuff that you've heard, I, I know it's a good conversation to have. I, you know, I wish I knew what it was, but it is interesting. Here's, here's what I found. The initial statement was Brock Purdy looks poised. Trey Lance didn't look ready. Like when we just watched them separately, like not even in comparison, Trey Lance didn't look ready is what people told us. And Brock Purdy looked poised, ready to go. And when I put together their first 46 throws in the NFL, I think people forget that Brock Purdy also played against Kansas City Chiefs. and That didn't look so hot. I get it was in garbage time, whatever. But, you know, Trey Lance has also played a majority of his career without George Kittle, and he's never played with CMC. So, you know, all is fair in love and war when you're comparing these guys. And I was shocked at how much better Trey Lance was from the passing side of things. Not, I mean, that's not even including the running and the athleticism, whatever. Just from the passing side of things, the numbers were so much better. And then, so you hear people say that, and then they say things like, well, Brock Purdy's the future, and Trey Lance isn't ready, and he'll never be ready in small school, and look at the college passing records of Brock Purdy and all these things. And then when you point out that Trey Lance was actually better, then they say, well, yeah, but Brock Purdy was a seventh-round pick. And we, look at all the assets we spent. It's like, that's not the conversation. The conversation is who's better. Now that they're both on the roster, what you spent is irrelevant. Who is the better player? Who's the player that you want running your team going forward? You don't say, okay, I want Brock Purdy because we spent less on him, and that makes up for the talent gap. That's not the way that it works. You just you want the better player to play. Here's what I think is actually happening, and this is not what people are talking about, but Brock Purdy playing well is allowing the 49ers to move on from Jimmy, not Trey Lance. This is still Trey Lance's team. This is his team going forward, and they have to ride that out. They have to see what they have there. But now Brock Purdy playing well should give them confidence that like, hey, if Trey Lance goes down for some time, we basically have Jimmy Garoppolo waiting for a fraction of the price. So that whole Jimmy Garoppolo thing, do we have to deal with the injuries? Do we have to, you know, pay him X, Y, Z? Should we bring him back? Should we not? I think Brock Purdy playing well makes him very expendable at this point. That's what I think is actually happening. But people seem to think that him playing well is making Trey Lance expendable. And I just completely disagree with that. I've gone to a lot of, back and forth with that and i had a i had a tweet not too long ago we were all talking about the possibility of trey lance coming back and i thought to myself after the jimmy injury like if trey lance is medically cleared to play at some point whether it's in december or january or in the playoffs and he's good to go like he's there's there's no risk that he's going to re-injure that foot and he's totally good to go you got to play him and the yeah. fact that that gets pushback to me is crazy what team would enter the playoffs with an all-time elite level defense multiple all pros on offense kyle shanahan as their play caller and sit there and say our starting quarterback is healthy no we don't want to risk injuring him as we try to go for a super bowl we're going to play our third string rookie final pick of the nfl draft instead because that gives us the best chance to win and we're going to save our starting quarterback for next year assuming that we're going to get back and our defense is going to be this good next year. Makes no sense. If, if Trey Lance is ready to go, 
I'm throwing him out there. The difference is with Jimmy. Here's my thing is, is Jimmy's been so bad in the playoffs historically. And if we are at the point where we're advancing to that divisional round or conference championship and Jimmy's able to come back, if we made it that far, I'm not confident that I can throw Jimmy Garoppolo out there. Who's a historically terrible playoff quarterback without seven to eight weeks of reps. At that point, I'm sticking with Purdy. But if it's Trey Lance, who's the starter, who came into the offseason and they said, this is Trey's team and he's mobile and he has a strong arm and the offense that they were putting together the entire offseason training camp was supposed to be built around Trey Lance, I'm throwing him out there. And there might be some people out there saying the same thing, like, well, you don't want to re-risk injury. You don't want to uh, risk that he messes up his future. I risk it for a Super Bowl. And Trey Lance probably would too. Like, could you imagine that if they made the Super Bowl, let's just say if they did, and we're ramping up into preparing for that game, and Trey Lance is ready to go, and he says, I want to play. If a, if a coach and front office or staff, whatever, say, no, we're going to hold you out because we're worried you might get hurt in this game when it's a chance to win a Super Bowl in one game, you just go out there for four quarters. Isn't that not like a borderline fireable offense at that point? And there's people in this fan base that literally will say, no, Brock Purdy would give us a better chance. How can you say that when the whole thing with Trey Lance this entire time has been inexperienced? And that's why people say he's not ready and they needed to keep Jimmy. It just makes no sense. Yeah. For me, there's like limits on both. I just, this thought process that Jimmy Garoppolo, who's been a bad playoff performer and has been bad coming off of multiple game layoffs or multiple week layoffs when being injured, that means he's, there's like almost 0% chance that he would come in right away and play well Yeah, in either a scenario. And so when I look at it for Trey Lance, I just think the timelines are very different. If Trey Lance is going to come back, I think it's going to happen in the next two and a half weeks. I think he'll be activated. He'll get a couple weeks of practice, start week 18, and then you ride with him going into the playoffs. That would be ideal. I think that's the timeline for Trey Lance in this injury, or he's just not going to come back. And I'm fine with either. Whatever yeah. it is, whatever they decide to do, but if he's medically cleared and he wants to play, you have to bring him back. You have to. Now, Jimmy Garoppolo is different because his timeline, despite what people want to think, is 6 to 12 weeks, depending on the injury. It's not just a broken bone. We don't know where this broken bone is at. If it's a Jones fracture, then that's closer to a 12-week 12 12-week 12 injury. They're saying seven to eight weeks on the early side, and that's getting healthy, not being ready for football. That was Shanahan's words. So this thought that he'll be ready to go in six weeks, not only healthy, but playing football, and should take over in the wild card round, divisional, or NFC championship, that's asinine. That makes no sense to me. And the fact that it's okay to have that conversation openly about the backup quarterback coming in in that situation, but it's not okay to have the conversation openly about the actual starter of this team yep. boggles my mind. It blows my mind. And also, and Rohan's touched on this before, uh, but why would Jimmy want to risk that? Like, let's say it was the NFC Championship and he's ready to come back. First of all, wasn't there a story actually when he was on the Patriots about how he was hurt and he could have played, but he didn't. So Jacoby Brissett had to go out there. I don't think he's the type of dude to actually go out there and play, even if he is cleared. Uh, but think about it. There's people making the case for him that he's played the best football of his career. 
And I actually think he was going to finish the season with, with less than 10 interceptions. I think he was going to end up finishing somewhere around like 22, 23 touchdown passes and nine interceptions max. I think he was going to end up being somewhere around there. So having that kind of pace and the way he's played in this stretch of games, why would he come back when he's probably going to be compromised? We saw him play like shit against Denver and his excuse was rust after that game. So why would he come back rusty off an injury when last year his value was tanked heavily because of his injury when he's set to be a free agent this year to go make some money? I don't even think he would do it, even if he was cleared. So I, I it's just kind of ridiculous to me, but I want to touch on that because it's just so much moving of the goalposts between these two guys, and it's happened nonstop. But now that people are using this to kind of push this weird agenda that the Niners are better off with Brock Purdy, it's just hilarious to me. Um, I think he's a good backup, though. I mean, there's yeah, obviously yeah. a reason. There's a reason that he won it over Sudfeld as a rookie, and I think that says something because Shanahan – he just he hates rookies sometimes. <laughs> I don't know what it is, um, yeah. but we we've kind of seen how he was. Like it took forever for Jordan Mason to get a real opportunity, and we see him out there. I haven't seen Jordan Mason have like a bad run at all this entire year. He hasn't got that many, but I haven't seen him have like a bad play. Um, so yeah, that says something about Brock Purdy. But <clears throat> sticking to this game more specifically, obviously Tampa Bay <clears throat> is a good defense. Um. What do you think needs to happen for this team to get a win against Tom Brady, the Tampa Bay defense on Sunday? Yeah, I, th I think it's just going to, for me, it, it's really all on the defensive side of the ball because the Buccaneers are so injured, Chris. They have four of their five starting offensive linemen out and they can't run the ball worth a dick. Like they just can't <laughs> run the ball. They're throwing the ball 50 times plus a game, every single game. That's what they're having to do. Now, Tom Brady is one of the few quarterbacks that can get away with doing that and be efficient and all those other things. But when you have a defensive line as good as the 49ers and an offensive line that is as injured as the Buccaneers, I think it's going to be very, very tough for them to do anything. On the offensive side, I actually think the 49ers need to just feed Mason. Mason should get 15 carries minimum this game. You talked about it. I don't think he's had a bad carry all season either. And if you look at his yards per carry, it's through the roof. He's the only effective running back right now for this team. CMC is not getting it done as a runner. Mason is getting it done. He needs to carry the ball a ton. Plus, that big body can wear down defenses. I think that's what they need to do. Vita Vea is going to be a handful. This defense is going to be a handful. And then for Brock Purdy, hey, if they can keep him around 30 throws or less, keep that Jimmy game plan, those short throws, intermediate throws, kind of stay in that window, don't turn the ball over, they should win this game really easily, in my opinion. I think this is a game where they could certainly hold the Bucks to 14 points or less and then get in the 20s themselves. So for me, I just I don't look at the Bucks as currently constructed as a threat. However, if they get healthy, I think that's a team that, could make a little bit of a run despite their record. But right now, I just don't think on a short week, traveling cross-country, depleted roster, I don't think it's enough. Okay, really quickly. <clears throat> Trell, I can't take your Clay Thompson take seriously or anything Warriors-related when you told me that Devin Booker is greater all-time than Clay Thompson when the dude's highlight of his career was losing in the finals and then getting sunned by Luka Doncic, that man is his <laughs> daddy. 
when you told me that, I knew I couldn't take that seriously. So back to Niners. Um, yeah, my thing with, with Tampa Bay, every time Tom Brady's on the other side, I just hate betting against him. Like when I was like younger, like like very little, I just kind of by default hated Tom Brady. And that was just kind of like a thing. I just, it felt like he was someone I had to hate. But then it, I hit a certain point where I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm going to root for Tom Brady. I think that moment was actually when he was playing the Seahawks. When he played the Seahawks in the Super Bowl, and I, I was like 13 or 14, I hated them. I was terrorized by that entire team and Richard Sherman and that whole defense after seeing what happened. So I wanted Brady to win so bad. And I realized in that moment, I was like, you know what? Rooting for him is so much more fun. And I'm always sitting there for years, every time he's in these playoff games and Super Bowls, and everyone in my family just wants him to lose. And I'm just sitting there with a smirk on my face, like, I'm not going to waver on this dude. And he just always comes through. And we look at what he did in the last game. It looked like they were cooked and they were going to lose. So what happens, Brady does his thing. And that's my thing is even against our defense, how like that's my thing. How good is Brock Purdy? Like, is, is he actually going to come through against a good defense this time? Because I will say, I don't want to say that our, our defense was cooked against Miami. A lot of people were trying to say that because there are open receivers. But I mean, there were open receivers. We weren't cooked, but still, if Tom Brady's going to find gaps and it, and we do think it's going to be a low scoring game, I'm not going to rule out that Tom Brady won't put together like one or two ridiculous drives that are just Brady esque. And it's just enough. Like for instance, my score prediction for the game is 17, 13. I do have the Niners winning, but I think it's going to be that kind of low scoring affair where if one call or two calls go another way, all of a sudden that can dictate the way that, you know, one drive is going, maybe put a team out of field goal position or put them in the red zone. I don't know, but it's just so it's going to be so low scoring that Brady, it's not going to take too much from him. Now I agree that offensive line is not good. Leonard Fournette is the most useless, useless chicken nugget of a running back I've ever seen. So I don't think that anything's going to come out of the running offense, but uh, I do worry about Brady every time he's on the other side. So I'm, I'm not going to just rule out. I think, and say that I think this team can win easily. I do think the defense is going to have a good game, but my thing is even if they have a good game, how good will Brock Purdy respond? Because now also this Tampa Bay defense is really good. They're going to have a full week to pick apart Brock Purdy as much as they can and try to expose him as a rookie and you know just get him to make mistakes. Because like you are saying, McCaffrey's not getting it done as a runner. So obviously as a receiver is probably where he's most effective. And he threw a touchdown to him and had another one that McCaffrey dropped. Um, so just going to be trying to force him into mistakes. So what do you think? And I know you said this is a game they should win easily though, but what would a win here prove for Brock Purdy specifically? Does it change the way you feel about him or the Niners chances this season? If he can go out there and have a good game against this defense, like let's say has no turnovers, throws a couple touchdowns and like 220 yards. What would this prove? To, to me, not a lot, to be honest with you. I, I'm really not changing my mind on, on... I mean, if he comes out and has a complete stinker, then it's like, all right, well, there goes the glass slipper, turn into a pumpkin. <laughs> we know what it is the rest of the year. But if he plays well, I think that... I, I low-key expect him to play well for a few weeks before teams really start to pick up on what's going on. I think, you know, maybe that Washington game will get interesting. That's probably around the time when he's got a good three weeks of film and teams can start figuring it out. But I think he's going to probably play fine in this game. And, and again, you know, the, the crazy thing is about Tampa is over the last couple of years, they've been such a good run defense. They're not that great against the run this year. That is kind of their weakness. And so 
this is the game where it's like, all right, if you can get Mason 15 plus carries, allow him to go to work, McCaffrey to go to work and just do their thing. I think that's where they're going to be most effective and then just make it really easy on Brock Purdy. And, and as long as, you know, like I said, you can keep those throws short, maybe use some of that screen game in their favor, the short game in their favor, like a run game. I think Brock Purdy's actually going to play fine this week. I don't think this is the week that he turns into the pumpkin, but I think eventually it will happen. I do too. My, my thing is, I mean, when you get a few weeks of film on any person, any quarterback, you're going to find things to expose even when guys are kind of breaking the league and it's just like this guy's unstoppable. They'll find something over time, and it's not like Brock Purdy's a world beater right now. So um, obviously, though, with Shanahan's offense, you can win with you know limited quarterback play. If he can just replicate what Jimmy does, they have a chance to go to a Super Bowl. It's really about when you get into the playoffs. But, you know, as we're kind of talking about that and, you know, talking about when he turns into the pumpkin, do you think or which matchup do you think is the toughest? Is it that Washington game? Do you think it's Seattle going on the road on a short week? What is the toughest game the rest of the year to you? Man, I think. I think naturally it has to be the division game, short week division game. It's not like you're traveling across country, but. Seattle's always been a house of horse for the 49ers. It's just a tough game. And Seattle's a lot better than what we thought. The division's going to be on the line. I think there will be some pressure maybe for Purdy to perform. The flip side of that, though, is that they just don't have a very good defense. They're not a complete team. They can put up points, but I think the 49ers can slow them down. And so, you know, I do think the 49ers certainly can win that one. I think the toughest game for just Purdy which might ultimately make it the toughest game for the whole team because if he struggles, we'll see. I think that's probably Washington. I think Washington's going to have Chase back by then. I think he was close to playing this last week from what I understand, so he'll probably be back. That's a really good defensive line. Our offensive line can get a little squirrely sometimes. I think that's a game that will be interesting for Brock Purdy. I think that'll be his biggest test, but for the team, naturally, I'll go with Seattle. Is, is Chase Young going to be back for that? He was close to playing this week, this last week. They did last minute made him not active. So I think he might play this upcoming week and then have a week under his belt. You know, I mean, I doubt he's going to play 100% of the snaps, but he might get like 50% of the snaps by then. They ramp him up. We'll see. I, I just think of pass certain pass rushers going up against Mike McGlinchey, and it just terrifies me. And I'm not one of those people that's going to sit up here and tell you how underrated Mike McGlinchey is. I think the dude is buns. He's just the best we have at that position right now. But I, if they extend him, I'm going to be really upset. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm going to be upset. But as we're talking about toughest matchups, kind of go more into the rest of the season. Um, and we kind of, I kind of talked about this a little bit when I called into your show last night, but who is the biggest threat to the Niners in the NFC for the playoffs? Man, I think it's, I, I really think, I think it's a toss-up. I, I think it's between Philly and Dallas. I'll lean more towards Philly just because they have the mobile quarterback. That game would be on the road, and they have a bunch of defensive tackles that really could make it hard on the 49ers to run the ball. So I'm going to lean Philly, but I don't think Dallas is a walk in the park either. Because that defense is much improved. I think they also would have a lot to play for. I mean, obviously, it's winner go home. But the way they kind of 
got low-key embarrassed last year by the 49ers physically, I think that would give them the extra motivation they need. And Brandon Ayuk's already given them the poster board material. I don't know if you saw his interview, but they asked him about the Dallas Cowboys, and he's like, nah, we already know what they're about. Like, basically said that they're they're soft. So yeah. they've already got that poster board material. That one would be interesting, but I, I think naturally Philly is probably the best team in the NFC, and that's a team that will be really tough for the 49ers. However, Dallas and Philly round two, divisional game, Dallas might be able to beat Philly, and then we would get Dallas at home. I'll take that matchup. The reason I'm going to think I'm going to say it's Dallas is I think I'm confident enough in our defense to make Jalen Hurts a passer. And I think if you do that, I'm confident we can stun them even on the road in a playoff game because of our physicality and our experience in the playoffs and the veterans we have on our team. And um, when it comes to the Cowboys, yes, they they do kind of have that soft kind of vibe about them that that team and we saw it last year in the playoffs but that defense is way better uh micah parsons is a beast and he'd probably try be trying to pick on mike mcglinchy a bunch in that game um and i do think they are still going to add odell i don't know what to expect though i don't know if you heard but i'm pretty sure dallas is a little concerned with his physical so that makes me wonder how ready odell actually is but assuming he's playing in a playoff game that's many weeks from now that threat along with C.D. Lamb and the rushing attack between Zeke and Tony Pollard does kind of worry me um, a little more, I think. But when it comes to Dallas, I just feel like I'm going to go with the quarterback. Dak Prescott, Jalen Hurts. If I had to put my money on one of those quarterbacks to win me a game or put me in a better position to win a game in the playoffs, I'm going to go with Dak Prescott. I've seen this dude at his best play at pretty much an MVP level. Um, I know he hasn't had a lot of playoff success, but I don't know what to expect. I don't trust Jalen Hurts at the same time, so I'm going to go with Dak Prescott if I had to lean one way. I feel like sometimes in the playoffs, it truly comes down to who has the better quarterback because at some point in the playoff game, quarterback has to put a drive together. Unless you have like a crazy level defense um, that can win you a Super Bowl really just without a lot of offensive attack from your quarterback. And we're going to talk about that in a second, but that's why I would go Dallas. Uh, but also while I'm talking about Dallas and while you respond to that, Bosa and Parsons. Oh man. I'll answer that. And just, I'll answer that in a, in a quick second, but the, okay. So the 49ers struggle with mobile quarterbacks. So I don't know yeah. that that's been fixed. They struggled. Look at some of their losses this, this year. Three of their losses are against probably not the best quarterbacks, but guys that are mobile. And Jalen Hurts is not only mobile, but he's better than all three of these guys. Yeah, They lost to Justin Fields. They lost to Russell Wilson. They lost to Marcus Mariota. All three of them are mobile. All three of them gave the 49ers fits at times. And that's what worries me most about Philly. I think their defense is good. I think that'll be an interesting matchup with our offense. But Jalen Hurts is really good, too. I don't know. I, I but don't I'll know. just say, but, though, with those yeah. with those quarterbacks, though, like the monsoon game, I mean, the Dre Greenlaw penalty, and then following that up with the Deshaun Gibson missed, dropped interception, and then the blown coverage happened. That kind of turned the game upside. And it was a monsoon. It was week one. And then Russell Wilson, you had Jimmy Garoppolo with the worst performance I've ever seen single-handedly from a quarterback on Sunday Night Football. Uh, they held them to 11 points 
actually really it was nine points defensively. They didn't even score those other two. That was a safety. So um, like, it's not like those quarterbacks really gave them a lot of trouble. It was, it was more so there were just really weird things that happened in that game where they really shot themselves in the foot. And it was the offense that struggled because we started the year off not so good on offense. And that was kind of the question about our team was our defense was so elite, but can our offense answer? So when it comes to Jalen Hurts, I don't know. I, I feel like, yes, he's definitely much better than those guys, but I don't trust him as a passer. Like Russell Wilson, I used to, not anymore. I used to trust him <laughs> as a passer. You trust him as a passer. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> um, and, and I feel kind of the same thing. Justin Fields, I think, has a lot more ability than people give him credit for. But when you take away his mobility, if you can kind of contain him and force him to be strictly a pocket passer, he's not going to be as effective. So I yeah. think with Jalen Hurts, you could. I think D'Amico Ryan's would be able to find a way to do enough of that where they could still overcome that team. Um, and offensively, Brock Purdy would just have to not play like shit. I mean, they've won playoff games where Jimmy did play like shit. So it's not even asking that much offensively to beat a team like that, in my opinion. But I see where you're coming from that. But I know I know you're about to get into Bosa and Parsons, too. So go ahead. Yeah, it's the, <laughs> this whole Bosa-Parsons thing, and both are fantastic players. I think probably two, three weeks ago, the answer would have been Parsons. But I think Bosa's passed him up. Right now, pass rush snaps... Bosa has seven more on the season. So they're really close as far as output and chances. But Bosa has more sacks and he has more pressures. So to me, when you look at that, you also couple it with Bosa has been the closer the last two weeks for the 49ers. Game-winning sack against New Orleans. or Game-ending sack, I should say. And then a game-ending strip fumble against Miami. I just, I don't know how you don't go Bosa at this point. He's got 14 sacks on the season. I believe that's leading the league and he's missed a game. He's playing really, really good football right now. I think Bosa, smart of him, by the way, to bet on himself because he could have signed a contract this last offseason. I knew he wasn't going to because that's not how the Bosa family operates. He goes out and gets defensive player of the year. It's going to be a lot of money. The 49ers are going to have to pay this man, and deservedly so. But I think he's the defensive player of the year right now. I agree. And and Brooks wants to know, God, what is dude. Bosa's effort rating? That I, Okay. For anybody that doesn't know what he's talking about, Acho posted a video <laughs> talking about effort. He That's showed so Parsons' effort on a screenplay, and he showed Bosa's effort on a screenplay. And when you look at these plays... Where Parsons is in relation to the running back when the running back catches and then turns to go upfield, there's about a yard, yard and a half of separation between Parsons and that player. Then he shows a screenplay against the 49ers and Bosa. And where the running back is from when he catches the ball and turns to go upfield and how far he is from Bosa is about five to six yards. And so because Parsons was able to have more effort and make that tackle with a yard, yard and a half of separation, and Bosa couldn't with five yards of separation, Parsons is a better football player. Ladies and gentlemen, Emmanuel Acho, he is the best. He's great. No, he's really, really great. But, yeah, no, that was that was dumb. And it's really funny how Richard Sherman was cooking him on the timeline the entire time, too. I cannot believe my younger self – I, I wouldn't be able to believe myself. I went back and told my younger self that Richard Sherman would be one of your favorite 49ers. Like <laughs> I, he, it's clear, like he 
definitely identifies himself. Like if he had to pick a team, like he was a player for this team, like pick one, it'd be the Niners over Seattle. Like the amount that he shits on Seattle is hilarious. And and the way that he's always talking up the Niners, I love it. It's such a, such a redemption story for Richard Sherman. Can I tell you something that I found pretty funny though? Yeah. Is so everybody hates Emmanuel Acho in a, you know, all 49er fans, they always trash on him. They hate his takes about Lance and just everything. They don't like him. However, when he was willing to respond to my tweet about Trent Williams, all of a sudden, for about a 48-hour period, Emmanuel Acho was the smartest defensive football player we've ever seen, and he knows what he's talking about, and Jesse yep. has no clue. I found that one pretty funny. That is pretty funny. But anyways, we don't have to go into that rabbit hole of Emmanuel Acho and his terrible takes because he's got a lot of them. Um <laughs> What I kind of want to ask about, because we're starting to talk about the rest of the season, is it possible that this defense could put together a run similar to the 2015 Broncos? Because we're looking at Brock Purdy being our quarterback, and obviously that is not an ideal situation. I don't think anyone in their right mind has high expectations. I don't have high expectations. But I look at what Jimmy's done in the playoffs, what he's done in the wins he has not really done shit. He didn't really do anything against Minnesota. He threw the ball eight times against Green Bay. And then last year's two playoff wins, he just threw two interceptions combined for no touchdowns. And the defense is what carried. And that those two wins were against the number one offense in the league. And then it was against the MVP and the best receiver in football on the road. And we held them to 10 points. So when I'm thinking of Brock and what he needs to do in the playoffs – can you just be better than Jimmy, which is historically bad? Two to three touchdown to interception ratio. Terrible quarterback ratings in the fourth quarter. Can you just be better than bad? Right? Can you be average? That's really what we ask from Jimmy is could he be average? And he couldn't even do that in the playoffs. If, if Brock could just be serviceable and average now with the safety blanket of McCaffrey, which Jimmy didn't have in those past years in the playoffs, if the defense stayed healthy and did their thing in the playoffs – I think it's possible they get to a Super Bowl still, but winning it is a different story because you're probably talking about going up against Patrick Mahomes. I don't think the Bills are going to make it anymore after that Von Miller news and Josh Allen's battling that UCL. I just I don't see it. So it's probably going to be Mahomes unless somehow the Bengals win because the Chiefs can't beat them. That's a different story. But is it possible that they could kind of replicate what that Broncos team did with no good quarterback play with that aging Peyton Manning? Man, I, I think it... I think anything's possible with a defense this good and a team that can travel. I think the biggest difference for me is that Broncos team was the number one seed. They only had to do it for three games in the playoffs, and they were at home for all of those games. The 49ers, they're going to have to go on the road at least once on their way to the Super Bowl and possibly twice, and they're going to have to do it for four straight games, which is a lot harder to do. Uh, we got we have to remember that they added the extra week, so you have an extra week to play, plus they're going to have the extra playoff game. It's just not easy to do. I don't think being road warriors through the playoffs is the way to do it with that extra game, but if any team can do it, it's this one. It's, it's a team that is built around defense and a team that can run because I do genuinely think that team and that style of play travels anywhere. So I'm not going to say it's impossible. I just think that it's very, very unlikely that it happens. Yeah, because because that's the one thing we were talking about in the space, I think, after the game ended, because Peyton Manning didn't throw a touchdown that Super Bowl, did he? I don't think he did. 
he threw an interception and he had a two point conversion. I don't think he threw a touchdown in that Super Bowl. No, but here's one thing they did do is if you look at every playoff game, I think they won the turnover battle in all three of those playoff games. Yeah. That was the key for them. So the 49ers would have to duplicate that most likely for four games, including playing on the road and having the extra game. So, you know, that's they've been doing a great job of that. And that's actually why they're winning these games that they're on, you know, this five game winning streak they're on. But that's something that would have to continue through the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it would be what a crazy story that would be, though. Like, I, I thought about it. Like, if that happened, Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant rookie. First of all, he's the only Mr. Irrelevant to ever throw a touchdown. And also, no rookies ever won a Super Bowl. And he's from Arizona, and the Super Bowl is in Glendale. What a crazy story. That, that would be the most insane thing. Like, we were talking, like, let's say it does happen, right? It's pretty crazy. But let's say, let's say that Brock Purdy is holding the Lombardi Trophy. We're just going to be sitting there in disbelief after constant arguing on the timeline the entire offseason and during the season about Trey and Jimmy and who gives us the best chance to win, and it's fucking Brock Purdy holding <laughs> the Lombardi Trophy. And the next, the next offseason, it's like, what are we talking about now? Are we still talking about Jimmy? Are we talking about Trey? There's going to be people talking about Brock Purdy's the future, but it's going to be really crazy. It would literally be American underdog too. That's right. Like that would be a way better move, way better movie than that Kurt Warner shit that they put out there. It, but it, it, it's definitely a Disney movie. Somebody said that on Grant's uh, call in today, and movie. I have to steal it. It's definitely a Disney movie. And you think about all the things that led up to it. So first of all, it's going to be called Mr. Irrelevant. Yes. Yeah. E from um entourage is gonna play brock purdy oh so yeah. that's we already got that done that's casted it's a disney movie clearly and talking about him being from arizona then winning it in arizona and then also all the crazy crap that happened last week the he wears number 13 because of dan marino they played against the dolphins dan marino's in attendance he happens to come into that game out of all games, wins that game. And I don't know if this is true or not. I haven't double checked it, but somebody somebody said, gave me the full numerology breakdown. I was like, he was pick whatever it was and then added those numbers together. And that was also 13. So I was like, I don't even know anymore. This is wild. Oh my God. It, it might be. I don't remember what pick. I don't remember what pick <laughs> Mr. Relevant is. Like that's how relevant it is. I don't remember what pick that was. Um, but if we're kind of looking at their title hopes and obviously it's, I don't think it's higher and it's, I think it's worse still, but I still think it's possible than, you know, comparison with we had Jimmy or Brock, but what would need to happen for that Disney movie to come true of a storyline where they were able to pull off winning a Super Bowl? I know you don't think it's going to happen, but what would need to happen in your mind for them to be holding Lombardi number six? Yeah, I just looked it up. By the way, that guy was full of crap. So he was picked 262. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah. So I, I think the things that I laid out so far certainly have to happen. I think, first of all, they're going to have to stay healthy. That's number one. This defense has to stay healthy. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Brock Purdy would have to stay healthy. And the guys on offense, the the big hitters, they're going to have to stay healthy. So health is is key to this. That's number one. Number two is winning the turnover battle all the way through the playoffs. That is a must. Winning the tur turnover battle is going to be a must. And I think that some of the things that we talked about earlier are going to have to fall their way. I think two things that are actually a, a possibility of happening 
is Dallas beating Philly. Talked about that. Then all of a sudden you have the NFC Championship at home. We can argue about who's tougher for them, Philly or Dallas, but I think we both agree they would rather have that game at home. Yeah. You don't want to travel to the East Coast. That, I mean, that would not be preferential. And then we both thought that Buffalo was the one team that would just give the 49ers fits. They're without Von Miller. Yeah, There's a good chance that the Bengals would again make it back to the Super Bowl because Kansas City struggles mightily against this team. 0-3 in the last two years, including the AFC Championship. They may not be able to make it past the Bengals, and that out of the three teams that are huge in the AFC with the Chiefs, the Bengals, and the Bills, that is the one team that I would feel really good about the 49ers' chances. I mean, you get lucky along the way. Crazier things have happened. That, to me, is probably the scenario that I would put together to make this happen. Shoot, man, I don't know. Like, sometimes things are just meant to be. We'll see. And and I know you mentioned earlier that Jordan Mason should be getting a load of the carries. Are there any other changes that you would need to see from the Niners in the way that they're operating? Like, for me, for instance, and I talked about it with Rohan on my show last week, they have to find out how they can just get Jimmy Ward back to free safety. I think they need. They, he's a top 100 player playing free safety, and you have him at nickel. you got to put him in that position that he's most comfortable playing. And I don't know what that means for the nickel corner spot. I don't know if it means they throw Janortz Jenkins, they bring him up, and he goes to the boundary, and Lenore goes to the nickel, or if they trust Womack enough to take the nickel. I'm not sure, but you have to find out how you can get your top 100 player back to his regular position. I think it'll make the defense better. But then again, that kind of goes to what I was talking about earlier with Shanahan. You know, we were talking about Jordan Mason, and obviously people talk about Danny Gray. He just doesn't like playing rookies in big spots. So that's kind of where I think the the reluctance is to put in Womack, and that's why that Verrett injury also hurt on top of the E-man injury because you have one less veteran. So is there any other changes personnel-wise that you think we would need to have happen for that to come true? Man, you know, the Jimmy Ward thing I think is interesting because I would have fully agreed with that two weeks ago, but the way that he's played the last couple weeks, I mean, I don't know. He's playing really good in that spot all of a sudden. He got the pick last week, and I don't want to just look at that, but even the week before when there was kind of broken coverage and he had to carry Alave all the way downfield um, running the deep crosser, and he was able to stick with them and break that play up, I was like, huh? maybe Jimmy can hold it down here a little bit. And so I don't know. Like, I, I don't know if I necessarily think that has to happen now. Two weeks ago or a week ago, whenever you made that claim, I probably would have been like, yeah, you guys are right. But I don't know, man. Jimmy Ward's playing pretty good. I, I would say this, getting Mitchell back would be huge as well. Even yeah. if it's, you know, round two, just having that third running back would be so vital to this team. And that's, I think of the three running backs, he's still the most explosive. He could be the home run hitter. I think getting him back will be key for this team as well. Okay. And and also Kinlaw too. I mean, the dude barely plays, but I'd much rather have Kinlaw out there because Ridgeway's done for the year pretty much, right? He has a bad injury. Yeah, it sounds like what? It's a, a pec injury. I don't know how long it'll last, but, you know. Armstead's back. I'll trade R Ridgeway for Armstead for sure. <laughs> That's true. 100%. Yeah, so for me, it's just those little things, but also Brock just has to put together an unpredictable playoff run. He doesn't have to be like Eli Manning in the playoffs, although that would be fucking hilarious if something like that happened, but it's, it's not going to happen. Um, 
But like I said, better than a two to three touchdown interception ratio. Like if he had, let's say they made it to the Super Bowl, he'd probably have to be like four touchdowns, one, maybe two turnovers. And that's astronomically better than what Jimmy's done because he's got four career touchdown passes and six interceptions, which is another reason when people try to compare him with Alex Smith, I was like, Alex Smith has 10 more touchdowns and like half the amount of picks that he has in the same number of playoff games. Like that's how bad Jimmy G has been in the playoffs. And we've still been able to win playoff games and be contenders. So um, if Brock can surprise us, that'd be incredible. But refocusing back to this Sunday, do you have bold predictions for this game? Any players or anything that's going to happen? Hmm. Bold predictions. I like to be outlandish with this stuff, so I can't. I can't just give you some normal, normal ish here. Um, Mason is going to rush for a hundred yards and two touchdowns. That's pretty wild. I'm going to say for mine, because the Bucks' offensive line is not good, and they have no running game. I think Bosa is going to have two sacks and he's going to follow up his last game, which was amazing with two more sacks. But I'm also going to say that, and this is going to be really funny if it happens because the timeline is going to be insufferable. If this happens, I think Brock Purdy is going to have like a 68% completion percentage. He's going to throw for like 210 yards a lot of it's going to be yak, but he's going to throw for like 210 yards. He's going to have two touchdowns, and he's not going to turn the ball over once. And we're going to be talking about how Brock Purdy is the first quarterback ever to beat Tom Brady in his first career start. And the rest of the week is going to be more insane talk and more agenda pushing about they're better off with Brock Purdy in the future and what can they get in return in a Trey Lance trade. <laughs> hey, whatever, man. As long as they keep winning, you can have whatever talks we want. I mean, most of us know what it is, but... If people want to live in La La Land, like just keep winning, man. That's all I care about. <laughs> hey, Treyway just said Glock Purdy, Glock P shooter Purdy. Purdy. Yep, I got. You know it. our our quarterbacks have some amazing nicknames, by the way. You've got Lap Dance Lance. Mm -hmm. You've got Porn Star Jimmy or Jimmy yep. Guap. Um, you've got Gucci Garoppolo. Hemi G. Don't forget about Hemi G. Hemi G. You've got. Glock Purdy, Big Cock Brock. You had you had Big Dick Nick with Nick Mullins. Like our quarterback <laughs> nicknames are fucking elite. Uh, oh look at Jamal showing himself. Um, yeah, and the Internet Bandit, exactly. But the last question I want to ask you: another one that somebody came up with that was good. I thought was yeah. bombs away Trey. I thought that was good. Trigger Trey. We got oh, some good ones. Yeah. yeah, we do have a lot of them. But the last question I want to ask you, and I think it's ridiculous. But I know some people were discussing it this past week, and I told people not really pay too much mind to this article because it seemed really just fishing for interaction, which was weird because it was Ian Rappaport. <laughs> Do you see any scenario that the Niners bring Jimmy G back next year? Because I know that the article said that they are both open to it, but... I don't know. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. It was I, it I was also okay. That the article was funny because first of all, it was before the injury. Second of all, 
it was it was a lot of like well maybe if this and that and possibly and could be's there was like nothing definitive in there in fact he even said well they haven't even talked about it but i think there but it's like all right dude um i do think there are two scenarios i i think the two scenarios and they're both highly unlikely jimmy garoppolo comes back for the playoffs and wins a super bowl with them i think that's scenario one again highly unlikely and scenario two is if Brock Purdy gets a serious injury and can't be the backup next year and they need a backup quarterback. I would say that would be scenario two. So I think both are highly unlikely, but I mean, I again, <laughs> quarterback position in San Francisco, I don't think we can count on anything at this point. And could they even financially make that work? I don't think they can because you have Debo's new salary. You have Bosa's fifth-year option salary. You have to get an extension done for Bosa. I don't think Jimmy G's taking any one-year deal this offseason. Um, you've got other guys like Omenahue. Um, you've got Emmanuel Mosley. I don't think they're going to bring back Jimmy Ward the way that sounds, but these are all contracts. Like The fact that we were talking about this, to me, I don't even think it's possible. Just financially. Yeah, I mean... Because how much money do you think If he, he wins a get? Super Bowl, it'd be tough. If he wins a Super Bowl, it'd be really tough. Even even if he didn't win a Super Bowl, how much money do you realistically think Jimmy G would average on a per year? I don't even know, man. I just I don't know what his value is coming off that injury. Like, if he doesn't play the rest of the year, Brock Purdy gets seriously injured, and they want him to come in and compete. They'll, that's what they'll tell him: come come compete for the starting job, whatever. I mean, I think it would be another incentive laden contract where it's like, okay, you'd have to win the starting job, then you'd have to play X amount of weeks, and you know, it'll max out at 25 million, but you're guaranteed 10. Like, I just, I just, I don't know if I'm in the belief, especially after another injury that Jimmy's going to be clamored for. I just, why? I mean, well, how many starting quarterback positions are open in the league to teams that are willing to pay 25, 30 million dollars? I just, I, I don't see it. The Colts, that, that didn't work out, not Ryan. I think that the Panthers might be open to it still. I think the Jets, it's a possibility. I don't think it'll happen, but I think it is a possibility. Um, is Tom Brady going to retire? Because I was kind of thinking, if Tom Brady actually retires this year and they just want a bridge, Jimmy might be an option for them to go out and get. Um, I was thinking, I don't think he'll go to the Falcons B-Mac just because today they're talking about how they're going to move on to Desmond Ritter. Desmond Ritter, yeah. I, and, I, and I think he's actually pretty decent. Um, Texans. Texans are a possibility. There are the rumors of, you know, maybe the Patriots are not 100% sold on Mac Jones at this point. He's had a really rough season. Could he go back to New England, even if it's just for a few years, to let Mac Jones sit and learn, I guess, is what they would want him to do, unless they trade him away. So I feel like he might get a little more value. I don't know what it is, but people around the league, and I know it didn't happen this past offseason, but a lot of it could have genuinely just been that surgery. If he's not getting surgery this time around, I think that changes things. Because last year, there's also a lot of quarterback movement. So he was going to be last on the list regardless. But I don't know how much quarterback movement there's going to be this offseason. Yeah, I, I think that definitely changes things. I mean, I think it makes him more desirable. I just, once teams go through the draft and, okay, let's let's talk through some of these teams. Texans, it's not like they're in win-now mode. No. So but they are, are they going to be willing to pay Jimmy G $30 million? I doubt it. You know what I mean? Um, so I don't know if Patriots do make some sense. The Colts, I guess. But 
let's not forget that they're basically cleaning house out there. So are they going to continue to do this veteran quarterback route, one-year deals the way they've been? I don't know if that's going to be what they want to do. And then the draft is going to provide four or five rookies that people are excited about. I don't know. We'll see. I, I'm not saying that there's going to be no interest for him. I definitely think there's going to be interest. I just think that it's not a guarantee he's handed a starting job, and it's not a guarantee he gets a big payday. That's possible. I think the biggest domino that's going to – I don't know if it's really going to be a domino that needs to fall, but Lamar Jackson. My uh, my biggest fear, Jesse, is Tampa. that – He's going to go to Tampa. No, 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 no. Oh, well, your son's going to love that because he's a Lamar yeah, Jackson. Yeah, you'll see him all the time. But my biggest fear is – Seattle got a shit ton of picks from Denver, and those picks are really, <laughs> those picks are really going to be. Can we just really end the show, dude? I don't even want to. <laughs> if, if they sit there, we got DK Metcalf. We've got some young talent on defense. We have a bunch of picks, and Lamar's pissed off. If they get Lamar Jackson in Seattle with Pete Carroll, I'm going to be. I'll, I'll, I'll actually, be sick. I'll be yeah, sick. I'll be sick until he actually retires, probably. And then we enter next year with debating Brock Purdy or Jimmy G to start. People hate Trey Lance. <laughs> it's, it's, that would be my worst nightmare if he somehow finds his way in Seattle. Because I, I know they want to bring back Geno Smith, but if they can get Lamar Jackson, they're going to get they're going to fucking get Lamar Jackson. <laughs> they're not going to just keep bringing Geno back when you have that option out there. So that that does worry me. That's one thing that's I just been can't see the right. Come bit. on, Ravens, don't don't do this. Just make the I mean, right move and keep but, them. But the right move would have been to pay him already, and now they waited, and now the price is going to go up just because these QB salaries keep inflating. So I don't know. He might be. A that would be a big haul too. You know, they would get a massive haul. What I mean, because they have two first round picks this year. One's Denver's, which would be great. Yeah. And then do they have two next year as well? No, they had two this last draft. I think. I don't remember. Yeah, but either way, it's going to be a lot. They can do it. If Lamar says, I'm not playing here, <laughs> they could do yeah, it. Yeah, but who wants to live and play in Seattle? What a dump. I mean, no. you lived in you lived in Portland. so Yeah, and I ran as quickly as I could when I had a chance. <laughs> yeah, you ran all the way across the country to a place with <laughs> with aliens over there. I mean, it's, it's a weird place, Florida. You got some weird drivers. I've seen people fighting alligators <laughs> with saucepans. So you you got far away from there. By the way, the ducks are terrible. And also, if Roscoe, if oh you are, end up watching this replay, I just want you to remember that um, USC lost to a Gardner Minshew variant in in the in the most important game of the season. So I hope Roscoe knows that. But we're gonna wrap up this show. Uh, Jesse, thanks for jumping on. Always appreciated. And um, obviously, Jesse's the internet bandit. So he's kind of famous out here in 49er community, <laughs> but go ahead and tell everyone what you got going on. Anything you got coming up? Yeah. Uh, let's see. I'm working on a uh, Trey Lance video right now. just got to remind people that Trey Lance is actually a lot better than what people remember. I don't know. There's this myth that he can't make basic throws and I don't know how I did it. I might've doctored the video, but I found 41 of them that he can actually make. It's crazy. Um, so I'm working on that. And then Sunday I'll have the post game. You can just tap in over at last second sports and check those out. All right. Thanks, Jesse. Also Jamal <clears throat> with, with this comment, the Eagles have a top five pick currently. and would be a prime candidate to, for teams looking to trade. Um, you just ruined my fucking night. So thanks Jamal. I hate you and everyone. 
with on that note, subscribe to the channel. I'm a very friendly guy. <laughs> uh, I'll be I'll be doing a, a jersey giveaway <laughs> at some point. I'm just trying to figure out what number of subscribers I'll do it. But the next one's going to be a Hufunga jersey. And maybe after that, if Brock Purdy gets it done, I'll do a big cock Brock jersey giveaway for everybody if it really happens at that point. Um, but thanks, Jesse, for joining on. Thank you to everybody who tuned into the show. Thank you to anybody who ends up watching the replay. Treyway, that's a really wild comment to end the show with. Uh, but thanks for tuning in. <laughs> thanks for tuning in, man. Um, hey, man, Jesse's old. Maybe he doesn't know what he's doing, all right? He just told me backstage before the show started the dementia's kicking in. But um, anyways, everybody, have a good rest of your night. I'm really glad I don't have to watch Warriors basketball tonight. That shit's fucking awesome. I just don't have to watch that shit. But I'll see you guys <laughs> later, and we'll get this W against Tom Brady and the Bucks on Sunday. Jones and big middle linebacker Fred Warner made the stop.